But sometimes you just got to let the devil know that God is bigger. Amen. And I love that song. Would y'all give our, our praise team a hand clap? I think they did a great job today. I'm telling you, they work hard. I, I think sometimes you just, I like that how that first song says, uh, I will live, I will not die. Sometimes you got to tell yourself and you got to tell the devil, I'm not going under today. Come on, somebody. I ain't going down today. I'm hanging in there. I need to tell somebody today, I, I'm telling you, God is going to carry you through. And today we're going to talk about better. Somebody say better. Every time I say that, I think of that old uh, butter commercial. You know, better, butter, butter, better. <laughs> Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all do either. Uh, I love that old commercial. And, uh, well, it, it was for, um, what is that, stuff that's not butter, but it's, what is it? Can't believe it's not butter. That's right. Uh, anyways. I'm not a butter fanatic, so I don't really care either way. I just like the commercial. But anyways, if you have your Bibles today, would you turn to Psalm 84? And we're going to get there in a little while. Um, but I'm going to preach this sermon today called Better. And um, I almost told, I told Christine, I almost felt like we should have just made this a series since last, year, last week we talked about better together. And uh, this week we're talking about better. And today we're going to talk about the idea that life is better in his presence, and um, I'm excited to share it with you. Um, God's been dealing with me, and um, so here's the thing, and this is where I want to start today. Doing something the way, the same way we've always done it doesn't make it the best way, does it? Doing something the way we've always done it, that doesn't make it the best way, does it? It doesn't, because sometimes we just do stuff out of habit, don't we? You know, I grew up, believe it or not, I grew up, and my dad's here today. I'm glad that he's here today, and my mom, I'm glad all y'all are here, but... Um, I'm glad that they're here. <laughs> and so, but I grew up and working with my dad, uh, he did underground utilities. For those of you who don't know what that is, that means we put in water and sewer, and later on we got into electrical conduit. Without the electrical, because if we dealt with electrical, I may not be here today, amen? I got shocked by one little light socket, and that's all I needed. I ain't never getting around electricity again. And, and I, I think I may have been helping dad build on a room. And I said, Dad, is the is the breaker, it was either Dad or a guy we, na we named Ralph, okay? And Ralph shouldn't have been working with electricity, okay? And so I said, is the breaker off? Yeah. <laughs> Woo, he then grabbed a hold of me, I ain't going to lie. And I, I haven't messed with electrical, electrical stuff since then. But working with my dad, thankful we didn't work with electricity. We did underground utilities, and we put in the new stuff. I never had a lot of times where I had to go deal with the old stuff. And uh, we, we laid underground water and sewer pipe. And anyways, growing up, I was the grunt laborer. And I didn't know it, but he, he, he could have been arrested for child labor laws because everybody else, I think minimum wage was $6, and I was getting paid 4 You know how that goes. And uh, I, I was like, well, Dad, everybody else, he's like, well, yeah, you're my kid, though, so it's cool. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if that's how that works. But I was working with him when I was a kid, and um, I'd work with him during the summers, and my granddad would always get on to me. My granddad, or was it Lonnie? I think it was this guy we, we had working with us named Lonnie Shorter. Sometimes I'd have my hands in my pockets, and he'd always get on to me. He said, how are you going to make any money with hands in your pockets? And I'm like, I don't know. I ain't never thought about that. <laughs> but I used to work with Dad, and when I, I was grunt labor, I was the guy that just threw the pipes in the hole whenever the guy needed to install them or whatever. Uh, but when I, got, when I graduated, I started working with Dad for a few years. And I start learning how to lay pipe. And so what, and for those of you who don't know, you don't just throw pipe in the ground. Like there's a certain way you have to do it. And I need something. 
need something. I need something like a broomstick. Hey, Danielle, will you go get me a broomstick? That'll work. And so whenever I was working with Dad, we, he, I started learning how to uh, lay pipe. Now, pipe, you don't just throw it in the hole. There's actually a process that you have to do, and you have to set up this laser. And uh, Tanner, will you come help me? Do you have it? Where's Tanner? Where did he run off to? Bathroom? I'm telling you, these praise and worship people act like they're up there for an hour or something. Anyways, um, so we, but there's a certain way. You set up a laser, and what the laser does is it sets the right elevation. Now, why you need a right elevation is because, what's a polite way to say this? Sewer doesn't float uphill, right? Y'all know where I'm going with this? Okay. And so if you ever have a pipe with the wrong elevation, you're going to have problems, and they're not going to smell good. You know what I'm saying? And so we, we, you set up a laser, and, um, and what you would do, or how I learned to do it, is, uh, there she is. Thank you. Would y'all give Danielle a hand because I know she hates what she's doing right now? Come on, y'all can do better than that. There you go. All right, so this is what I would have. Pretend this is a shovel. I'm going to get up here where y'all can see it. What I would do is there would be a, pretend there's a laser. Can y'all, can y'all, can y'all pretend with me? Yeah, okay. Pretend there's a laser right where this white thing is. And so what I'd do is I'd get in the hole, and I would just follow the laser. And that's how, and you set the elevation in the laser. It went down a certain degree, and that's how you knew you were staying on grade so that the sewer is going to flow the right way. And so I'd be going, and, and the way I would do it is I would do it spot by spot. And so what I would end up doing is a lot of shovel work because now there's a machine digging the hole, but I'm doing the shovel work to make sure it's the right grade. And so if you've ever, ever dug in this Mississippi gumbo, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, it don't like to move very much. And so I'm doing this, and I'm just working myself to death, and I'm like, man, this stinks. Anybody ever had a job that just stunk? That was one of them. I love you, Dad, but that, that job was tough. Well, one day I had, a, I had a cousin hop in the ditch, and he was great at laying pipe. And I was trying to learn, and, I, and so I watched what he did. How many knows you need to watch people that knows better than you so you can learn to do better? Come on, somebody. That's why we need our bows and arrows, amen? We need our older saints and our younger saints, so younger saints learning from our older saints. That will preach. And I saw my, my cousin. He got in the hole, and he didn't do what I did. He didn't go foot by foot, which took a very long time. What he did is he would wait for that he wait for the bucket to come down and he would guide the operator. He'd say, "Come on down," and he'd get the bucket. He'd find a spot on the bucket and put the laser on the bucket, and then he would guide the operator to where the bucket did the work. And I was like, "Huh? Well, that's a lot easier than what I was doing." You know, basically the operator was digging a hole and I was finishing it off for him. You know, I was working myself to death. And so, and so I learned a better way to do it. How many knows there's certain things you do in your life and there may be a better way to do it? And I looked at my cousin and I said, why didn't you show me that like three months ago? He said, I figured you'd figure it out eventually. Come on, man. I lost 20 pounds learning how to lay pipe. And see, I had a choice. Because some of us do this because we like what's normal to us. We like what's comfortable to us. I had a choice to make. I could either change the way that I learned to dig sewer lines or, or lay sewer pipe, or I could change. I could decide, okay, this way's better. My way will work, 
but this way's better, and I had to make a choice. Am I going to do what's better, or am I just going to do what I'm used to? And how many know most of the time we're drawn to just do what we're used to? Because, hey, it's how we've always done it. If it was good enough for Moses, it's good enough for me. If it's good enough for my dad, it's good enough for me. And here's the thing. God helps us and gives us wisdom and innovation. Isn't that true? I'm glad that we have medicine today that we didn't have 100 years ago. I'm glad that we no longer see people dying with polio. Amen? And so I had a choice to make. I said, okay, there's a better way to do this. Am I going to keep doing it the way that I've always done it? Because it was good enough. And I think that's a trap that we fall into. Well, this is good enough. Somebody say good enough. Good enough is a bad place to be. Good enough says, you know what? It may not be exactly like I want it, but it's it's good enough. It's kind of like whenever you're like me and you're kind of, your carpentry abilities are challenged. And I try to build a shelf and it's a little off level and... And this 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 thing is a little bit too long, and this one's a little off center, you know. And I paint it, and then the paint's not the right color. You know what? It's not perfect, but it's it's good enough. And what happens for those of you who've ever done a project in your house, and it didn't come out the way that you wanted it to, but you left it like that? What happens? You always go to it and say, "Man, I really wish I'd have done that differently." What I do is I say, "Man, I really wish I'd have paid somebody to do that," because I know I can't do no carpentry stuff. But I, it's a constant thing. I look at it, it's like, man, I really wish I'd have done better. And so what happens, though, is that we get trapped in this idea of, well, but good enough will get me there. But that's a lie because good enough really doesn't ever get you there. I've never heard someone say, man, I, that's a job done good enough. I've never heard someone excited, man, I'm glad I got that just barely done. I've never heard someone be excited about, man, that didn't turn out any way like I wanted it to, and really it's not what I wanted, but it's good enough, so that's great. You've ever heard anybody say that? No, because good enough is not exciting. Good enough is not great. Good enough is actually the opposite of great. And so we're all tempted to just be good enough. We're all tempted to just fall under this banner of good enough, especially in our relationship with God. Is that true? Why? Why Why is it that we fall into this temptation of just trying to do good enough? Because good enough is easy. Good enough is easy because you get to good enough before. Like if you had levels, here's good enough, and there's, and there's greater. So which one do you get to first? Good enough. Kind of like whenever you're painting a wall and you know it needs two coats, but you've just finished one and you're tired, and you're like, you know what? This is good enough. The problem with it is that it's never good enough. Good enough is never good enough. It's good enough lets us off the hook because we at least got the job done. But I tell you what, what happens with good enough is you're going to leave something out. A good enough job is normally a job that has errors in it. You just haven't found them yet. Is that true? For example, if me and my dad were laying sewer pipe in your house, or for your house, and we did a good enough job, then your toilet, whatever you send back, you know, down the line may come back to see you. Because a good enough job isn't necessarily a good job. It's just what we say, hey, 
It's, it's how we let ourselves off the hook. At least I got it done. It's good enough. At least I can say I checked that to-do list or off the to-do list. And I, and I think about how this, how we treat God the same way. Does anybody ever feel like you've ever treated God just, I'm doing good enough? I think, I think probably all of us maybe have been in a place in our lives where our spiritual lives were just good enough. And the problem is, is that good enough is never really good enough. I thought about, at least I thought about God today. I didn't pray necessarily, but at least I thought about Him. How many love whenever God gives you an opportunity to practice what you preach or practice what you say you believe? I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't always enjoy it at all. <laughs> I'm going to be very honest. We were, uh, you know, we talk a lot about honoring and being good to, to servers, whether it's at Walmart or it's at uh, the restaurant, wherever you are. I just believe that if you're, wherever you go, whether you like it or not, you are an ambassador for Christ. And so you're carrying Jesus. And if you're the, the Christian that that's mean to that Walmart worker, then whether they're wrong or not, they're just going to see you, this church person who loves Jesus that just treated me badly. I say that a lot. Well, yesterday God made me pay for it <laughs> because I was in Walmart. And um, it was crazy. Anybody go to Walmart yesterday? Lord Jesus, bless you and your family. I saw a lot of church people. And if I dodged you, don't take it personally. It was a long day. <laughs> because don't act like y'all ain't never dodged nobody in Walmart. Don't y'all judge me out there. Y'all know y'all done it too. I'll start preaching on judging. I'll change my sermon right now. Anyways. I'm walking in Walmart, and, it, and, and honestly, the crowds don't necessarily bother me unless they're just rude. I, that doesn't bother me. But screaming kids do, okay? I, I'm convinced that I have this spot in my brain that my kid hits with a certain decibel of his scream, and it drives me crazy. Like, I go primal, and I'm ready to, like, y'all about to judge me again. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. I'm ready to launch him across the room sometimes. And it's a weird sensation to love someone and want to launch them. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm walking through Walmart. My kid is my, my, my kid did not sleep well apparently the night before. And um, so we're in Walmart, and he's crying. Well, then I'm like, okay, Christina, we've got to get out of here. The kids are not doing well. We need to get out of here. And I said, okay, you go and do this thing. I, I sent her and said, okay, get some help and go get these three shelves we were buying. We're doing a DIY project. And, and I'll go do the grocery shopping. You go do that, I'll do this. And she goes, and this is where you got to pray because she found three people with Walmart vests on but got no help. And I'll tell you how to make a husband angry whenever you send her to ask for help for employees and find out she had to load three desks by herself. And so I had a decision to make. I said, Christina, do we need to go find a manager? And really I wasn't asking do we need to. I was asking for permission to go find the manager because I was very upset. And, and after I got home, you may say, how does that have anything to do with what you're talking about, Pastor Jay? When I got home, I realized I could have been a good enough Christian to find somebody to go off on, and it probably would have made me feel better for about five minutes. But was that the best thing to do? Probably not. It probably made me feel good for a few minutes, but 
what if that same person that I found had said, this guy's not doing his job. She, 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 she did the wrong thing. She pointed out somebody who walked right by her. There was a man and a manager. And I could have said, this guy needs to get fired because he didn't do his job. Anybody ever done that before? Don't tell me if you've done it. Have you wanted to do it before? My fear would be, what if today I'm preaching and that guy walks through those doors? Yeah, it was good enough for me in the moment, but was it the best thing? I wonder if that's the question you ask yourself in life every day. Is this maybe good enough to stay saved, but is this what's best for my life? You know, we're tempted to say, well, I'm good enough. People ask you about your relationship with God. Well, I'm good. At least I thought about him today. I didn't fall off the deep end today. I didn't cuss anybody out. I didn't get high. I didn't get drunk. I'm, at least I didn't fall off the deep end. You know, whenever we're thinking about our relationship with God, at least I went to church today. I may have got there late and checked out when he started preaching, but at least I got there. Does that sound like beneficial Christianity? Let me ask a better question. Does that even sound like active Christianity? You see, there's more to God than that. There's more to God's presence than just showing up and checking off your church attendance to do checklist and, and, and just barely getting by. There's more to it than that. Some say, well, I'm just not that spiritual. They'll say, I believe, and that's, that's good enough. But this is what the Bible says about that. The Bible says you're either it's better to be hot or to be cold. Because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Isn't that hateful? <laughs> I mean, think about it. We're, we're, sometimes we get in this place of laziness and, and, and this mediocre place in our faith. And we think that it's good enough, but God is saying, no, it's not. He's saying, I want you to either be hot or cold, but you need to pick one. Don't stand on the fence. I want you to commit to something. And so today, I think that there's a better place to be in our faith. You know, people say, well, I'm just not that spiritual. You know, there's not, the word spiritual, there's not a Hebrew word for it. Isn't that interesting? There's not actually a word in the Hebrew language for spiritual. Because Jesus wasn't spiritual, but he was led by the Spirit. That's good. Jesus wasn't spiritual, but he was led by the Spirit. I'm not telling you you got to be super Christian. I'm just saying you got to follow Jesus. If you're looking for a better life, if you're looking for a better day, if you're looking for a better in your life, then I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm asking you and challenging you to follow as closely as you can the one that is perfect. Because if I'm going at it on my own, then I'm going to get myself in a lot of trouble. But if I follow the one that is my guiding light. If I stick close to him, then I don't have to worry about where I end up because if I'm following in his footsteps, I'm going to end up in exactly the right place. You see, whenever we live in a way that says, well, I'm just going to do it good enough, my relationship with God, I believe in him and that's enough, that's not following Jesus. And that means you're making your own way, which means you're going to get yourself in a tough spot in life. There's a difference between believing in God you know, older folks, they say, well, even the devil believes in God. He met him, obviously. Even the devil believes in the Bible. There's a difference between believing in him and following him. 
You see, whenever we believe, well, yeah, we may know all these things about Jesus. We may know all these things about God. But I tell you, there's a difference between knowing about him and knowing him. And it's better to know him than to know about him. I would rather not know anything about the Bible but know him. You need to know both, don't you? Take me out of context. But I want to know him. That's better than living a life of rules and regulations because whenever I live a religious life of to-dos and don'ts, it's miserable. It's better to live knowing him. Let's get in our Bible this morning. Psalm 84 says this. Going old school today. KJV. It's got pretty words in it. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. This is verses 1 and 2. My heart and my flesh, it cries out for the living God. I'm going to pause there. I challenge you to measure your relationship by this verse. Think, hear, hear this. My heart and my soul, it cries out for the living God. And some would say, well, this person is just super spiritual. We don't all have to live that way. We don't all have to pray every day. We don't all have to say, well, I love you, God, and this. No, you know what? No, I think if God captures your heart, it's not that you have to. It's that something changes inside of you, and you need to. I think whenever God really gets a hold of your heart, and you taste better because life is better in his presence, I think that his Holy Spirit draws you to a place where you, ha where you are acknowledging his goodness and his love, I think something changes when you meet him. And verse 10 says this, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. And I like how another version says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I need to tell somebody today, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what weights you're carrying, but I do know this. Whatever it is, I'm telling you, better is one day in his presence than a thousand elsewhere. That means better is one day in his presence than a thousand whenever I have all the money I need, than all, when I have all the answers that I have. Uh, better is one that I, I need answered. Better is one day in his courts, in his presence, than anywhere else. And I need to challenge somebody today. Maybe you've been doing church but you haven't been engaging in his presence, I, I need to tell somebody, you need to get past the outer courts where you're just doing the work, and you need to, if you want to enjoy Christianity, you need to get into his presence. If you want to enjoy your faith, you need to get into, past all the religious stuff, you need to get past all the rules and just say, you know what, God, I need to see you. I need to know you. I need to experience you. Christianity without presence is not fun. Christianity without presence is not fun because it becomes all about rules and regulations. But once I press into his presence, it becomes about him. You see, my, my relationship with Jesus should never be about what I do and what I don't do. My relationship with Jesus should be all about him and knowing him. My relationship with my wife is not about all the rules that we've placed on each other. Our relationship is based on the fact we love each other. Everything else comes second. In fact, I don't cheat on my wife because she told me not to. 
I, I don't cheat on my wife because for me, there's nobody better than her. And we wonder why we struggle with this relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's because we've never gotten to a place where he's the best thing for us. Maybe it's because we've never gotten to a place where we're convinced there's nothing else better that the world has to offer than him. That old song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world can't afford today. I don't think we can enjoy Christianity until we get to that point. I got to tell somebody. You're struggling and you're, you're facing things that are insurmountable. And I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not telling you that they're going to go away. What I'm saying is that they are, they, are, they, are, they are small compared to God. But they look huge until you involve him. I need to tell somebody that you are trying to do Christianity and you're trying to take care of things on your own, and I'm telling you, you can't do it. And they look huge, and, and, and things look insurmountable. But the moment you involve God and the moment you cross into his presence, you realize how big he is and how small our issues are. His presence is better. The courts, are his, the courts in this verse, it symbolizes the presence of God. So one day in his presence is better than a thousand elsewhere. I need you to know you were created to live in his presence. How many knows you weren't even created to work? Praise the Lord. How many is ready for that day where we just get to go and enjoy the fruits of our labor? Adam and Eve messed it all up for us. As much as I sweat, I'd love to live in a world where I ain't got to sweat. Somebody said, Pastor Jay, why did you wear that today? You're going to sweat everywhere. I said, well, at least if I'm wearing black, you can't tell. <laughs> I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. You were created to live in the presence of God. And you can't get there by doing it good enough. You can't get to the presence of God without revering God. You can't get to his presence with just saying, All right, y'all put on your, can y'all put on your steel toes for a minute? Now, I want to preface this, because I ain't got no whipping stick today. I had a broomstick. I don't have a whipping stick, so I don't want y'all to take this the wrong way, because I absolutely know. And I'm going to preface my whole thing I'm about to say with this. I know you don't have to stand to worship, okay? I know that. I know, I know there are people in here, you stood for 70 years probably worshiping Jesus and ushering the Holy Spirit into this, into this room, into rooms like it. Don't take this as judgment, but I'm, i got to say this, though. Good enough in worship, God knows the difference, even when we're sitting, whenever we're just existing in worship, and when we're worshiping. You see, I can sit here, in fact, Brother Lyons, he's not here today, but he's a great example. Because he'll sit there, and he'll cry. And he may not be able to stand, because there comes a point where this old body, it decays. And we can't. But Brother Lyons will just be sitting there, sometimes he'll have his, his hands like this. And he'll just be crying, because he's worshiping God. You see, Brother Lyons, he's been there. And he knows how to get there into the presence. But there's a difference between sitting here because you can't stand and worshiping with all of your heart and just sitting here because let's just leave it there because you see there's a difference 
And it gives me no benefit who stands or who sits. It doesn't. Want to know why? Because the whole time I'm like this. I'm looking that way. It doesn't give me hype. It doesn't. I'm looking that way. What I'm saying and hear my heart is that we can't get more of God if we're willing just to do enough. Y'all hear my heart today? Can I pastor you a little bit today? You see, there's better. But the only way we get to better is if we're willing to do what it takes to get there. To put ourselves after Him. To put my own preferences after His preferences. And so, the court symbolizes the presence of God in Him. Many don't believe that life is better with Jesus. How many know life is better with Jesus? I don't know about you, but I remember where I was before I got saved. I remember what God did in my life and how He set me free. The old song, He set me free. I ain't going to sing it. I ain't going to do it. You know, I wonder why God gave other people the ability to play piano, but He just will not bless me with the ability to sing. Some people just hop on the piano and God teaches them how to play. I've been asking to learn to sing since I was born. Here's the thing. Life is better in His presence. I'm getting ready to close, so Karen, will you come play for me, please? Life is better in His presence. His courts are better because in His presence we find perfect love. Somebody say perfect love. And perfect love inspires me to do better you see I can't and this is why Larry Evans taught me something really important whenever I was with him at Family Worship Center I preached a message <laughs> and my mom she used to she, she, she still listens to me and she's like you know huh, I don't know if I even mom must tell you the truth isn't that true and mom, mom will say something like, I really enjoy your preaching but I miss that hellfire and brimstone preaching. Mama likes that kind of stuff where you're going to hell. That's what she likes. I don't know why. I don't know if it keeps her on a straight and narrow. I don't know. I'm like, I, yeah. a few years ago at Family Worship Center, I preached a message like that. And and Larry, Pastor Larry pulled me aside. And uh, like a good pastor, he said, uh, Jay, it was a great sermon. He didn't say great. He said it was a good sermon. You, you worked really hard. And he said, but here's the thing. Anytime you prick somebody's heart, you need to put a Band-Aid on it. Nobody can beat you into loving God. In fact, a lot of us struggle loving God because someone tried to beat us into loving God. You see, perfect love, it inspires me to love God. Whenever I understand how much God loves me, I find it really hard. Even whenever, I've been in places in my life where I said, God, I don't want you. I've been in places in my life where I said, you see, I got saved at 16 out of atheism. But then I went through church hurt and I went right back into the world. Preacher was counseling somebody. I, ain't, I shouldn't go, I'm not going into details. I went through church hurt. 
And I left, and I said, God, I don't want you to want me. Your church is fake. Your people are fake. Your preachers are fake. I'm not coming. Because my relationship was not dependent on my ability to love him or my knowledge of his love for me, my relationship was built on do's and don'ts. And those are not inspiring. But you know what's inspiring? Whenever a God walks into your life and says, and you know you don't deserve it. You know how dirty you are. And he says, I love you anyway. You know how imperfect you are. You know about all the mistakes you make. Even if you've been saved since Moses taught Sunday school, we all make mistakes. And what is inspiring about Jesus is even then he loves us. True love is inspiring. It inspires us to do better. And true love, it also sets us free to do better. Because when true love comes in, it breaks every chain. And it breaks every shackle that has held us down. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Why is that? Because it's in His presence we find hope, find joy. How many more joy in your life? I'm not Joel Osteen, but there are some days I just, I said it Wednesday, and I don't know if I say it here, but I'm telling you, there are some days I'm having a bad day, I got to turn to Joel Osteen, like him or not. He ain't perfect, but I love that speech he gives. I, this is my Bible, I am who it says I am. There are some days I, got, I need somebody to remind me of that. And it's in his presence. I find joy and I find power to be who he's called me to be find purpose and I find provision that's why his presence is better than anything else because in his presence I find everything somebody say everything I find everything that I need and so today this is my this is my challenge for you I had more but I just I'm not going to keep you This is my challenge for you. I challenge you to start developing a taste for God. You see, how many like steak? You may like steak. My meat eaters. I love steak and shrimp. My banking account doesn't love steak and shrimp. My belly loves steak and shrimp. I love the taste of a good steak. I've tasted a lot of good stuff. I didn't get this size by not tasting stuff. Come on, somebody. But I've never tasted anything as good as God's presence. There's another scripture I'm going to close with this. It's in Psalm. And it says this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good I challenge you this week look to your neighbor say he's talking to you I challenge you this week 
to start developing a taste for God. How do you do that? You need to take time to study and pray. Y'all need to take some notes because I want to, somebody who you need more of God in your life, you need to write these things down. I'm going to let you get out of here. This week, you need to study and pray. If you want to get out of here, you better write these things down or at least pretend like you're doing it. Then you got to deal with the Lord for not being honest. Study and pray. If you want to develop a taste for God this week, if you want to find out why it's better to live in His presence than anywhere else, you need to study and pray. You need to live with an awareness of God's presence. It's kind of like when you buy a new car and you start seeing them everywhere. If you buy into Jesus, you'll start seeing them everywhere. That's so good. If you buy into God, you'll start seeing His presence everywhere. I was sitting on my back porch and the wind blew and I just felt the Holy Ghost remind me of how refreshing and renewing He is. Mm, y'all, mm, y'all better not start saying amen. I might preach until 1230. KFC going to close down on y'all. Third thing is this. Write this down if you are. If, you're look, if you want to develop a taste for Him, develop a habit of communicating with God. Develop a habit of communicating with God. I don't mean praying for three hours twice a day. Think Twitter, 140 characters or less. Develop a, develop a habit of just being thankful. Thank you, Lord. I pray throughout the day. Thank you, God. Someone will text me and say, hey, will you pray for this person? God don't need you to talk to him for an hour. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but don't feel that not going to teach on prayer today, but develop a habit of communicating with God. Fourth thing is this, and I've got one more after. Decide to be obedient. Because as you begin developing a taste for God, there's going to be things He calls you to do, and if you don't do them, you'll never go into His presence. Decide to be obedient. The last thing is this. And this is probably as important, if not more, than any of the others. Let down every wall. Let down every wall so that you can walk into his presence. Let down every wall so that you can walk into his presence. Walls are built to keep people out. And inadvertently, we build walls because we've been hurt in the church and we keep God out. When in reality, when we're experiencing church hurt, what we need more than anything else is to let God in. And so today, would you stand with me? I'll let you get to KFC or Garfield, wherever you're going. But today, I want to pray over somebody. Remember, your challenge this week is to develop a taste for God. I promise you it's going to change your life. But today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, today, if you'll say, Pastor Jay, I need you to pray with me. I feel far from God. If you'll say, Pastor Jay, I feel far from God, it's not that I, that I think I've backslidden. I just need to be reminded that He's with me. Would you just lift your hand? God sees those hands. God sees them. 
come on, let me pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not even going to call you down today. But don't let this moment pass by you. Father, would you join hands with the person next to you just as a point of contact? Father, Father, we've worshiped today. We've prayed. I've preached. And God, I pray that your word hits somebody right where they are. And Lord, I pray right now, there is somebody in here, God, that they feel far from you. And Father, I pray that through this message and through these applicable actions, Father, they will walk straight into your presence. Father, I know that you're not far, God. In fact, you're always with us. Even when we feel alone, you're there, God. Your word even says, Lord, that whether we go to the heights of heavens or make our bed in the pits of hell, you're there. And so, God, for those who raise their hands today, God, and they feel like you're far from them, I pray that they would enter in. Father, they would not settle for good enough, but, Lord, they would enter in to your presence. They would pray and they would seek and they would let down every wall that would separate them from you. Lord, I, I pray for strength as they fight to forgive and they fight to love and to receive love. I pray for strength, Lord. And Lord, today as we get ready to get out of here, Lord, we get ready to dismiss, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would go with us, that you would remind us to never settle for good enough, but to always shoot for better and what's best. I love you, Lord. I love this church. I love what you're doing in our church, God. I pray a pastoral blessing over each and every person that's here today. Bless them as they go, Lord. Protect them, Lord God. Use them to further your kingdom. We love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Bless you as you go, guys. I love you. I cannot wait to see you Wednesday night.